0: Coming up on Leading Edge. It's that childlike, childish why. Keeping on challenging in that childlike, playful way is the kind of mindset that is really important if you want to create new things. This is Leading Edge, a Henley Business School podcast.
1: Welcome back to Leading Edge from Henley Business School. I'm Thomas Mason. In this second series, we're learning how to get our boss's job, how to unleash our inner coach, and how not to be fooled into thinking diversity is just about having a seat at the table. Joining me today is Claire Hewitt. She's the Head of Learning Design for Henley's Executive Education Program and has previously held marketing roles at Marks & Spencer, Master Foods and BAA. And as an innovation consultant, worked with the likes of Coca-Cola, Unilever and Nestle. And she'll be guiding us through today's topic, crisis the mother of innovations. Claire, welcome. Thank you very much. Lovely to have you here. And before we descend then into crisis and the realm of pandemics, you've got quite the claim to fame, Claire, and I want to explore that now. Your claim to fame is that you were part of the team that invented the Pringle.
0: Yes, um, absolutely. The We received a brief from Procter & Gamble, who wanted to create a new potato snack. And myself and a a group of others were working with a um, a, a team from Procter & Gamble to try and create that new snack and try and determine what it was going to be. And after a a couple of days and not getting terribly far, we're standing in the break over a cup of tea. And um, so this was in, uh, in, in North America near Boston. And uh, one of the guys in the group was chatting about what he'd been doing at the weekend, and he had been raking out the leaves in his yard. It was the autumn time, and he'd been putting those leaves into his compactor. <clears throat> and a compactor is one of these, as it sounds like, it's one of these machines that you just sort of presses leaves together and turns them into neat little bundles. And in fact, his his compressor had not been turning his leaves into neat little bundles at all. It had been turning them into wiggly shaped bundles. And he was saying, oh, it's broken. I need to get a new one. And then as he was talking, the idea of a wiggly shape, a sort of wave shape, came to the surface. And in the the next session that was run, um, this notion of a wave shaped potato snack really took hold. Um, And that was where um, Pringles first came from. So something that was kind of an accident turned into um, a real opportunity.
1: Not just an accident, but actually broken.
0: <laughs> yes. I think it's great how the, um, the, the unconscious mind works, because that was just a, an unconscious observation that suddenly became the focus for, um, for new thinking. And that's, that's a principle of how it can happen.
1: Also, the fact it happened in a break, you, you were maybe all sitting there, these highly paid executives all trying to come up with some fancy idea in a brainstorm session. And then it's actually during a cup of tea, that the best ideas come out.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, every time I ask people, where do you have your best ideas? They don't say when I'm sitting in a meeting or when I'm sitting in a Zoom call. It's when I'm walking the dog, when I'm having a shower. It's those kind of down moments when, you know, your unconscious mind is just kind of processing all the stuff that you're doing. And so, if you can kind of take that opportunity and turn it into something that you practice doing, uh, it can become a a really great tool for creating new ideas.
1: We have, however, been having quite a few of those video conferencing calls, those Zoom calls recently. And the theme for today really is how to keep those creative juices flowing despite the pandemic. We've, we've you know, it seems some of us are sitting on one call after another. Uh, and despite the efforts to bring us together, there we are in our little boxes. And the, the question then really is how do we think outside the Zoom box uh, and keep innovation going?
0: I think what, what I've discovered from talking to people over the last few months is that um, they need to get even more focused on what it is that they're trying to be creative about. Because when you've got, as you said, a box, a small space and little squares of people's faces to talk to, it's even more important that you're really clear about what you're trying to be creative about.
1: So part of it then really is just defining the problem that you're trying to solve.
0: Yes, it is. I think one of the big paradoxes about innovation is that you, in order to be creative and release all our creative juices, what we need is actually quite a clear a clear structure to do it. But very importantly, to know what it is we're being creative about. I mean, if you say to people, let's be creative about solving world poverty, that's kind of huge and you can't get your arms around it. Whereas if you're really clear that what you want is a, a new product or a new service or a, a new IT system or you know whatever that specific thing is, and you ask all, the clear questions and structures around what that is, then you can be very creative about it. And none more classic a quote than one from David Ogilvy, a famous advertising creative man that said, give me the, the freedom of a really tight brief. So the tight brief is getting really clear about what you want to be innovative about. Then your brain can release itself to be creative about it because it's not kind of wondering what it has to do.
1: Sure. And actually, the world has been dealt quite a tight brief over recent months trying to solve a global pandemic. And there's quite a list when you think about them. Some of the the notable inventions, some of them may be better than others. But what have we had? We've got nightingale hospitals, uh, distilleries producing millions of bottles of hand sanitizer, home working, suddenly a reality for millions when everyone said it couldn't be done the race for a corona vaccine real competition to be first there world beating track and trace systems whether they actually are or not that's another question but the ambition is there apps and even new language and social norms so social distancing rules of six covidiots quarantinis
0: we've got the lot haven't we it's not it's not a bad t- tally for the last few months It's not, and crisis really does create opportunities for people to think afresh and think differently. Generally, people find crises something to be feared or anxious about. But actually, when there's something that is so pressing, like the COVID situation at the moment, it really pushes those creative buttons and gets people focused on what they need to do. And I think it really kind of highlights the focus on on the hospitals, on the PPE. I'm very amused that distilleries use their alcohol to turn it into uh, alcohol-based hand sanitizers. Um, it just proves how how incredibly creative and speedy the human brain can be when it needs to.
1: And then I think you say there's, there's certain different types of innovation. So there's a really big picture. Let's create something completely new. But sometimes it's just about a new take on something we've got already, something more incremental.
0: Yes, that's right. Very often, organizations aren't really clear about what they want to be innovative about. They can always kind of run the flag up the flagpole that says, we need to be innovative. Everyone would salute that. But what does that actually mean? I think for lots of uh, lots of people and organizations, it's about getting clear about whether you're talking about um, doing small incremental innovations you know, that can almost happen on a day-to-day basis, or whether you're looking for something that's really huge. And just, just to give you an an example of both ends of the scale and what might be in the middle. I was working um, about two years ago now with our executive management program, uh, running a session around innovation, and we did a creative thinking session. And one of the uh, one of the clients there was the operations director of WAGAMAMA. The, uh, the food chain. And out of that session came a whole new concept for breakfast at Wagamama. They'd never served breakfast before. They didn't know quite how that fit with their offering. Uh, but the, the group came up using a range of of creative techniques with a, a completely new breakfast concept, and it it was it was an instant hit. So I was delighted with that. But I guess in some ways you could say it's sticking to the knitting in a way. It's still a food product. It's still served in a restaurant, etc. So that's a kind of incremental right. thing. Whereas if we think about, let's say, Nokia. The mobile phone company. They started in Finland as a, a trees and paper company. That's a fairly long way away from being a mobile telecommunications firm. And um, and and really, that was partly happenstance, but partly almost opportunism. In that, as uh, as the paper business changed, they saw that actually paper was about communication. They thought about communication in a different way and moved into mobile communications. So there's lots of other different stories around that, but that's a sort of an example. Or you may want to be in the middle so long as you're clear. (laughs) Thinking about some of those other principles there then, uh,
1: having a diverse group of people around the table is a really important one for
0: you. It certainly is. In my experience, if you want to get some really creative thinking going, it's incredibly helpful to have people in the room who are coming from different perspectives with different life experiences, different views of the world, and you know imagine if you will you're bringing together a group of people to create something new and that group of people could comprise a syrian refugee a yorkshire hill farmer a plumber a surgeon heart surgeon, different kind of plumbing. And if you can even imagine the kind of different backgrounds and and stuff that each of those people will have in their head, that there are lenses they will be able to bring to whatever is the conundrum, the problem, the thing, the opportunity that you want to create some new ideas about, you will get a massive, massive range of ideas. And this is where diversity, particularly in, in, in connection with innovation, is really helpful and really powerful.
1: This sounds a bit like one of those exercises when we were up in a hot air balloon, we've got to decide who to throw out. But you're saying, actually, be careful who you throw out the air balloon, because you might be surprised who comes up with that breakthrough idea.
0: That's right. No idea is ever a bad one.
1: (laughs) No idea is ever a bad one. um, But you do say it's very important to challenge our assumptions about an idea or a situation. Things may not be what they first appear.
0: Definitely, challenging assumptions is a is a really powerful thing to do. Quite often in business, well, we're like fish swimming in water. Our business is the water we swim in. We don't even question the assumptions. We don't question why we do things in the way that we do them. And it, it's important to do so because you you can turn things upside down. And I've got a, a lovely example here of Glasses Direct. They were the first. Spectacle company to start an online business, and it all started again by an accident. So the guy who started it was at university and had been out on a on a bit of a night out uh, and had fallen over and broken his glasses. And as an as an empo- as an impoverished student, he didn't have two or three hundred pounds to spend on a pair of glasses. So he decided to investigate. How, how are glasses made? Where do the costs come from? How, you know, how does it happen? And very quickly realized that once you've got your prescription from your optometrist, the whole manufacturing process is a completely separate thing. So he separated those two things out and, and started his online glasses business because um, I don't know if you know this, it costs somewhere between three and seven pounds to actually make a um, a prescription lens like the ones I've got in here. Right. And that way he was able, he, he started a completely new business by doing that. That. And I think if you also think of challenge what your business is about, so glasses used to be something that were a bit of a bore, something you had, had to have in order to see better. If you consider they're a fashion statement, if we look at Prue Leith, a celebrity chef, she has tens of pairs of glasses and they're different colours, different shapes. They're a fashion statement and a fashion item. So shifting your assumptions about what your business is about and why people are buying from you and always challenging and questioning you know it's that it's that childlike childish why you know anyone who's got kids knows you know the children say why well why mommy why is that why and it goes on and on till eventually you kind of can't find any more reasons why but keeping on challenging in that childlike playful way is the kind of mindset that is really important if you want to create new things
1: And sometimes it's good to get those creative juices flowing. And sometimes you, back to your paradox of having to have a really tight brief, you have to apply your logic as well. And I think you think there's some real differences here well, between men and women for a start.
0: Yes. um, I'm going to be slightly controversial here. Recent uh, neuroscience and and MRI scans that have been used to kind of see which bits of the brain light up where, when certain things happen, um, have shown that the um, female tendency is, so if we have simplistically left and right brain, left for logic, right for creativity... Men's brains tend to go sort of from back to front, so they kind of stay in one dimension, whereas women's synapses tend to go from one to the other, so they're more able to flip between logic and creativity, and therefore are often quite good at problem solving, finding new ways of resolving things, finding new options, suggesting new ideas. It's, you know, it's not. 100%, 100% but it's a, it's a, it's um it's a tendency that there is and i think what's really helpful is if you can if you know and you can do this by practicing and it's like anything else the more you practice the better you get you can get creative by switching into the right brain thinking and knowing when to switch into being logical so when you need you create your new idea with your right brain write your business goes for it with your left brain
1: Sure, and then, just thinking about we're around in the boardroom we're trying to get these executives to get a bit creative. You've said sometimes that actually you might have a better conversation over a cup of tea or whatever, but I'm just thinking, what techniques do you use to get people's imagination flowing
0: ah uh, there are there are all sorts of techniques i th- I think just underlying it is you need to be able to listen with an open mind. Um, And if you're able to do that, then you're able to make associations and connections between things that you might not ordinarily do. So, one of the things that that has been clearly demonstrated to be one of the most powerful ways of generating new ideas is to ask people to make connections between things that they wouldn't ordinarily make connections between. So, just to to give you an example, if I think of a little task that I have at the moment, which I'm kind of grappling with a bit, which is as many people I imagine who are listening to this, um, there are... Too many things to do in a day, too many Zoom calls, too much trying to pack a quart into a pint pot to use an old-fashioned expression, but we're trying to pack too many things into a day. If I take that as, as something that I want to work with, as a as a, an issue or an opportunity, if I look out of my window um, at home, I can see a hanging basket full of flowers. Actually, my, my little flowers are looking quite sad because it's been raining today. Now, if I think of about the flowers and the essence or the qualities of those flowers, one thing that I think about is flowers only bloom at a certain time of year. So, they have their their time, they have their space and then they're gone. So, if I connect that notion of flowers only have a specific time to flower and then they're gone and I apply that to my task of how do I manage my time differently? If I were, for example, to say I'm going to use the, the allocated time and say in the morning at, at a certain time and at lunchtime at the end of the day, I'll do a little chunk of emails. I'll take a space of time every day that's for my planning. I, I can start to cut up my day in the same way as the flowers have their, their space and time and then they're gone. I can reallocate my day in that way. So that's that's just a, a live example. Maybe people would like to have a go themselves now. So if you think about um, something that you're working on, it could be um, a work thing. It could be something to do with your home, your children, your car. You know, anything doesn't matter. Um, have a little think. Is there a little task that you like to? How can I do X? And then do my equivalent of looking out of the window which could be out of the window could be around the room down the corridor you know where, wherever you're looking a light on something that catches your attention that you find interesting and as you look at that thing think now what are the qualities and characteristics of that thing that make it what it is what what can it do what is it what are its characteristics think of maybe one or two or three Choose one of those that has got your attention and connect that back to your task, your issue or your opportunity. And then what does that suggest as a new way for me to tackle that thing? Let's give you a moment to do that and maybe scribble yourself a little note so you can come back to it. So that... Little contained exercise is something that if you repeat that throughout your whole life, you will keep practicing and have lots and lots and lots of new ideas by simply using the world around you. It's it's about looking at it through fresh eyes as if you've never seen it before and really thinking about what are those qualities and how can I bring that to life in a new context.
1: Well, that really is something to take away, isn't it? And I think the, the fresh eyes I saw a research study a week or so ago, and it was saying, actually, people's mental health can be improved just by going for a walk outside, looking with awe at fresh surroundings, ideally somewhere where you haven't been before, or looking very consciously and very carefully. And it's a different type of innovation, isn't it, to what you think stereotypically, almost innovation in isolation there, Claire, and maybe works well for somebody who is quite self-reliant and self-contained, just to take a bit of time and 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 reflect, because you 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 still do imagine back to your, that boardroom example, everybody sort of shouting ideas and writing them up on the page and competing almost uh, to shout the loudest. But sometimes maybe it's it's actually that it's being a bit quieter about your innovations and slow cooking it.
0: Yes, and that's. That's good for people who like to reflect personally and and uh, uh, and are able are more sort of introverted and more willing to to spend that kind of time. I think what's interesting about what you just said, Thomas, is that in Meetings and in sessions, if actually you take some of the ideas that other people are offering and allow those ideas to be your creative connection making. So, same principle, but just taking someone else's ideas and building on them and growing them. That is another way of making connections because you've taken something that was not yours, it was somebody else's, but you make more connections with it. And sadly, what tends to happen in meetings is that people go, You stole my idea. But if you take your ego away from it and simply see it as an opportunity to build something fresh, then um, it's – and it's about that mindset. It's about that kind of assuming positive intention when you're trying to generate something new and assuming that there is a collective desire to do so. And in that process then of coming
1: up with ideas, everyone says it's their idea. Is it just about not being scared to throw something out there, to have the confidence to put ideas out there and actually maybe that just coming together overall.
0: Yes, it is. It, it builds on the notion that no idea is a bad idea. It's just one that hasn't been perfectly formed yet. Um, and I think that's that's a really good point, Thomas, insofar as um, if you are brainstorming or you are having a having a session, it's because you're thinking so quickly, it's very likely you're gonna come up with what people might call literally a half-baked idea. And it is only half baked because you've only just thought of it. It's kind of in its infancy, and too often people, particularly in meetings, kind of judge it, dismiss it, and say, "Well, that'll never happen." Or we we tried that in you know we tried that in two thousand and six and it didn't work. Or blah blah blah. It's because it's it's not had a chance to be cooked yet. Whereas very often. If you take an idea that seems kind of half-baked and go, well, actually, there are some really interesting good bits of that idea. If we work on those and refine those and put them into a new context and work on them, then um, that's very likely to generate something new. So um, there's no such thing as a bad idea, but probably one whose time has not yet come.
1: But sometimes those situations can happen because you've got the right people together in the right room. And you're and you've built the trust in the group to have the confidence to throw things out there. How do you think, in this socially isolated coronavirus world, you can build that trust and bring the right people together to have those hopefully magic moments?
0: Mm. Trust is really vital. It's really vital. And, and talking to um, talking to a number of our clients over the last few months. Um, I, what I've found is that in companies where um, people have remained connected, particularly senior people in organizations have have been available on Zoom, they've been visible, they've been palpably visible, able to talk to people um, and talk very honestly about what's going on. The levels of trust have gone up exponentially. So staff trust people in the organization much more than they than they did pre-Covid where people were less visible. So I think those principles of of being visible, being clearly open and honest, make a huge difference. And, and the trust factor is absolutely right. Um, and I think that that comes back to the kind of culture that a business has. If you have a, a, a culture where um, tr- trust is at its heart uh, and people have, have strong relationships, uh, then you're much more likely to have people who, to your point, have the confidence to just throw stuff out there. See what sticks, see what people will do with it, um, not feel silly, not feel that they're saying something that's going to get them into trouble or whatever. And I think that that connects very much to the idea of lots of experimentation. So lots of mini experiments, you know, lots of people, to my point about big innovation, small innovation. The more little experiments you do and try things out that are not betting the farm, that are not risking lots of money or resource, um, you know, allow you to really, uh, you know, rapid trial, rapid experimentation, find out what works, doesn't work, move on, build on it. So, you know, I think all the principles that we know about agile and design thinking and, and those methodologies for thinking about innovation are really, really valuable, especially now.
1: Sometimes it was almost considered an Americanism, wasn't it? fail fast, fail forward, fail fast, fail often, which sounds sounds pretty good in theory. Do you think in the current climate that failure is an option,
0: things are so critical and companies are falling by the wayside? I, I don't think anything has changed. In, in terms of failure, we still need to do new things. We do need to, we need to do things even more quickly than we did before. And therefore, particularly the, the small experiments where things are being tried out quickly and, and actually we're seeing massive experiments being tried out. Thomas, you started this conversation with, let's look at the Nightingale hospitals, the, the um, Track and Trace. They're all a big trial you know and and we're seeing already that some of it's working some of it's not um you know there are times when the track and trace is working really well there are places where it isn't there are times when it does work so you know even on huge scale in a crisis nothing starts out perfect it starts out as a a quite well refined idea that needs lots and lots of um of refinement and people's willingness to try and remodel and change and it partly is perhaps about
1: leading from the front as well, and the corporate structure. Some companies have said they're going to, that they, maybe they want fewer of your half-baked ideas, but they're going to build it into the way they run their company. I'm thinking of the likes of Google or HP, where they've said 20% of an employee's time, that's your own.
0: Invent something, experiment. It, should more companies be following their model? That's a great model because what those companies know is that whatever people create in that 20% of their time that they are being paid not to work for the company will automatically come back to the company in some other guise. It's that connection making again. So I work for HP. I might actually be working in my in my 20% of time on um, you know how to make a, a more impressive doorbell. She says, looking out of her window again and seeing a doorbell, how to make a better doorbell. But actually, the wireless technology that is part of that might well be refitted into a totally different piece of tech in a different area. So, that's where that kind of thing is, um, you know, it may seem quite altruistic on the part of those organisations, but there's a bit of a cunning plan behind it. Interestingly, if we think about um, the question of people working from home pre-COVID, it was something that was sort of on the agenda for a lot of organisations. They were thinking about it. A few people were doing it. There's been more flexible working. But suddenly with COVID, you know, 90 plus percent, if not 100% of the workforce needed to be working from home. And whereas previously there'd been small trials, just like at the moment we're having trials with all kinds of things to do with sustainability and and animals and the planet, you know, on a kind of a small scale, because it's we're not at that critical point yet. Similarly, um, you know, for COVID, pre-COVID, people weren't working from home, then suddenly they were. And so it could well be that as as human beings, we are a little bit like frogs. We'll do things slowly and incrementally until we're we're kind of faced right in the face with a really big crisis. That means we have to respond fast.
1: We're asking all our guests on a second series of Leading Edge, what are their big three takeaways? The thing they personally will keep doing and embrace after COVID is over, or at least when we move into the next stage of it. So, what, what are your big three then, Claire?
0: My big three are all quite different ones, quite varied, um, the, the, in no particular order. First one is, uh, I'm going to call it a new role for the office, So we've just been talking about um, people working from home. And I guess this has had a lot of people question, so what what is the purpose of the office? Why do we go into the office? And what seems to be coming back as I have those conversations with people is that actually for administrative work, working from home is absolutely fine. So the role of the office in future may well be simply focused around collaboration, cooperation, creativity. So that whole generative, um, creative process working together, which I think will mean completely reconfiguring a lot of offices, a lot of office space, not serried ranks of desks, but perhaps completely different open spaces, used differently, different open space technology. So I can, I can certainly see a, a completely new role for the office, which I personally find very exciting. A second one that you uh, th- that I thought about when you asked me this, Thomas, was um, something that I went to a couple of weeks ago called Pub in the Park. You'll have heard of Tom Kerridge. Uh, he a famous uh, chef, fame uh, rather slimmer than he used to be. Um, and uh, he, he lives locally to us in Henley, so he lives in Marlow. And he, he created this idea called Pub in the Park. So we couldn't do Glastonbury, we couldn't do Henley Regatta, we couldn't go to any of those fantastic festivals that we all love going to. So what he created through Pub in the Park was bands on stage, but actually you arrive in your car a bit like a drive-in cinema. So you arrive in your car and you have a designated slot which is your car space and a space next to it. And then next to you is the next car and the space next to it so that you could stay within your household bubble. Right. Um, But you could, with a mask, walk around because there's lots of space between the bubbles and between the cars to go and buy your snacks or drinks or whatever you want to go and buy. Listen to the bands, but you could stay safe. So, in, a, in what, in hindsight, seems incredibly obvious and simple, which is what lots of innovations do, but only in hindsight, before they happened, they weren't simple and obvious. So, Pub in the Park was fantastic. As
1: you say about having some formal separation as well, so a bit of structure for that uh, that particular innovation. And What about number three then?
0: Number three, I'm going to go for AI. And I think this is where... Um, Often a crisis creates exponential change. So AI chatbots, technology, as we know, has disrupted everything um, for quite a long time now. And I think some of the th- the, the things that I've noticed is that uh, you know root robots now. Manage our food production in in our world at the business school. Um, you know, AI can now manage intimate coaching sessions um, for individuals. Alexa and Siri manage our lives for oh, us. Don't
1: say that. We'll be. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure we will set off lots of AI all over the world. Hopefully, people are listening by the headphones.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so I think um, what well, what I don't think what I know, what I've seen is how technology. Because it's been forced on us even more by our separation from each other. The exponential move into, into using robots, chatbots has just accelerated madly and will continue to do so, I think, because people have just got used to it. It has become the new normal. What I'm going to ask
1: you now, some some simple but yet interesting questions, either or. Do you, you can say both if you want on a couple of them, but all I'm asking for is a quick answer. Oh my goodness, no pressure then. If you're ready, if go. you're ready. Okay, so first one, screens or paper?
0: Screens. Taxi or bicycle? Depends where you want to go. Taxi. Tea or coffee? Tea, just because I prefer
1: it. Chicken or Beef. Beef. Thinking about some of your uh, lockdown cookery skills now, sliced bread or banana bread? Banana
0: bread. It's tastier. Taking stock or stockpiling? Taking stock, always. Reflection is always a good thing to do. Safe bet or calculated risk? Calculated risk. You'd expect to hear me say that.
1: Open plan or no plan?
0: Open plan. You can put no plan into an open plan, but you can't put an open plan into no plan.
1: Very good. Here's one for innovation consultant. 80% or
0: 20%? 20%. You can always build on it and you'll gen- generate something new.
1: Early bird or night owl?
0: Early bird. Just personal preference.
1: <laughs> Big picture or selfie? Big picture. There's a lot more in it. Vacation or staycation?
0: vacation
1: have you been on one this year
0: uh no i've been uh actually i was in vacation in jordan when lockdown happened and had to get a flight out within 48 hours that was pretty scary
1: and and finally ask permission or beg forgiveness
0: beg forgiveness always try something out
1: so you've given us some tre- tremendous food for thought there. Some of it quite literally from a Pringle, through to some useful tools that we can use. Just going back to basics, looking out the window, thinking within ourselves, and that has been a really good tip for when we've had to become more self-reliant over these last few months. But also then some tools and tips for how we can work together, building those trust in bigger groups, both in the offline world and in the real world. So Claire Hewitt, thank. Thanks ever so much for joining us here on Leading Edge.
0: My pleasure.